If you have a Bible, let's open it up to Psalm 19. We also got the words on the screens behind me. And if you will, please stand as we show reverence to God's Word, and I will read all of Psalm 19. This is God's Word. The heavens declare the glory of God, and the sky above proclaims His handiwork. Day to day pours out speech, and night to night reveals knowledge. There is no speech, nor are there words whose voice is not heard. Their voice goes out through all the earth, and their words to the end of the world. In them he has set a tent for the sun, which comes out like a bridegroom leaving his chamber, and like a strong man runs its course with joy. Its rising is from the end of the heavens, and its circuit to the end of them, and there is nothing hidden from its heat." Verse 7, the law of the Lord is perfect, reviving the soul. The testimony of the Lord is sure, making wise the simple. The precepts of the Lord are right, rejoicing the heart. The commandment of the Lord is pure, enlightening the eyes. The fear of the Lord is clean, enduring forever. The rules of the Lord are true and righteous altogether. More desired are they than gold, even much fine gold, sweeter also than honey and the drippings of the honeycomb. Moreover, by them your servant is warned, and keeping them there is great reward. Who can discern his errors? Declare me innocent from hidden faults. Keep back your servant also from presumptuous sins. Let them not have dominion over me. Then I shall be blameless and innocent of great transgression. Let the words of my mouth and the meditation of my heart be acceptable in your sight, O Lord, my rock and my redeemer. This is God's word. O Lord, our Lord, how majestic is your name in all the earth. Lord, we thank you for another day of, of waking us up that we get to come together as a body. And that millions upon millions of people all over this world are gathering together to lift up the name of Jesus. Through song, through prayers, through the preaching of the word, through communion, breaking of bread. Lord, and we're thankful that we get to be a part of your kingdom. Thank you for your grace and mercy that can only be found in the Lord Jesus Christ and his life, his death, and resurrection. And Lord, thank you that you are mindful of us, that you, that you bestow glory and honor to us, as you say in Psalm 8, and that you use us as your ambassadors to go out and extend the kingdom through the proclamation of the gospel where we live, work, and play. Lord, so I also want to just thank you for Brandon and Madison and their, their time here being raised up. And, and Lord, we thank you for the time that I personally got to spend with him at PLI, Pastors Leadership Institute, for two years. And Lord, he's a joy. And thank you for Madison's voice blessing us up here. Lord, you are good. You give us all good gifts. And not only them, but every single one of us in here, you have given us a particular mission and a particular people that you have called us to. And may we be faithful. May we be faithful to declare the majesty of your name and the good news of Jesus Christ for your glory and for our joy. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Guys, go ahead and have a seat. I got, I got one extra announcement today. Because 51 years ago, my beautiful wife was born, right? So, she's not in here right now. She's, she's watching the kiddos right now. So, my wife turns over a half a century last year, and we get to celebrate that. Isn't that awesome? I know. 
Oh, I thought I was going to get a little push. I thought I was going to get some oohs for saying that she was 51, half a century. But let me finish that. It is grace. We celebrate every single year because she is sexy to me now. And my love has grown just as much as I first met her in our first college class 31 years ago when I saw that sexy little calf up in New Mexico, University of New Mexico. I was like, oh yeah, baby. So anyways, if you see her, wish her a happy birthday, amen? All right. And by the way, I turned 50 this year, so I got a cougar. That's another thing, all right? All right, this is church, right? We're in church? Okay, good. Here we go. Psalm 19. We are fortunate. Jack opened us up in the call to worship. He says that, that we live in Colorado, one of the greatest places in all the earth to live because of the creation that we have surrounding us known as the Rocky Mountains. Um, and so I want to ask you, what is your favorite outdoor activity that you love to do? What do you love to do out in God's creation here in northern Colorado or in Colorado some, somewhere in this state? Uh, a couple years ago, by God's grace, uh, he sent the Collinses from Michigan down to um, Colorado, Drew Collins, and he introduced me to bow hunting. And that just, I just love it. He introduced me about, I don't know, about nine or ten years ago, and it just captivated my soul. Preach, that's right, captivated my soul. And one of the reasons why I love it is because it gives me a sense of what our ancestors must have felt like back in the day, Right? Uh, what our relatives uh, must have felt like back in the day, before we became an agricultural society, before, you know, raising domesticated animals and they ended up in the grocery store. We had to go hunt and gather for our own food. Some historians say that 90% of human history is known as the hunter-gatherers. And still to this day, many cultures across this globe still live by that code. And, I, and this is why I love it, because there's something innately human about it something gritty, something raw that just stirs up my soul. So I love to do it. I also love to do it because it does get me into God's glorious creation. It gets me up into the Rocky Mountains. I mean, think about it. People from all over the world come to Colorado to explore, to ski, to hunt, to hike, to bike trail in the Rocky National uh, Park or the Rocky Mountains. And it's in our backyard. And I love it because I get to experience the mountains. I get to experience the elk and the animals in its context outside of the cement jungle just the way the Lord created it. Again, I love God's glory. Let me give you a story about one of our uh, bow hunting stories. We were up, and I think it was like our second or third year hunting with him, hunting elk, bow hunting elk, and it's getting towards the end of the, 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 the evening, or the end of the day, so the sun is starting to go down, and um, we're walking back to camp, and Collins just gives out another, another bugle. And, and by the way, elk are incredible animals, aren't they? I love how one described them. He described them as like they got like tree trunks coming out of their heads and they, and they make a sound like you know, they belong in the Lord of the Rings. They're just majestic animals and they can maneuver in the forest. It's unbelievable. So Collins brings out this, blows a, a bugle out and this, we hear this, this bull elk just, we blow him out because we are so close. And so we, we kind of set up, try to calm back. So Collins goes up about 50, 50 yards behind me. I stand there, you know, and, and I'm getting ready. So hopefully he calls this elk back and Drew's calling. And it's about 30 minutes go by and we thought, ah, oh, he's not coming back, right? And just as again, this 30 minutes, again, the sun's going down. I'm just looking at it, just go over the Rocky Mountains and the beautiful colors. And I'm just like, oh man, let's just let's look at the glory of God. And I just started to just thank the Lord and pray and worship. I was like, man, this is incredible. 
And I'm looking out this way, and then I turn my head, and there's that bull elk just looking at me like 20 yards away. And then he turns and he just runs off. And I went, oh man, the glory of God running away. <laughs> I love bow hunting. Well, over the next two weeks, we, we're going to sing about the glory of God. Today we're looking at Psalm 19, verses 1 through 6, the glory of God in the world. Next week we'll finish out Psalm 19 and look at the glory of God in the Word. And what we're going to see this morning is that the Lord is always on display. The Lord is always singing a song over you and me every single day. Every single night, he is singing a song over you and me in creation. And the question for us to answer this morning is, do you hear it? Do you hear it? Do you hear the Lord singing over you? C.S. Lewis said this about Psalm 19. He says, it's the greatest poem in the Psalter and one of the greatest lyrics in the world. And I think many of us that know Psalm 19 say yes and amen. So let's dive into it. First, we see God's glory revealed through the world is continuous. God's glory revealed through the world is continuous. Look at verse 1. The heavens declare the glory of God, and the sky above proclaims His handiwork. Day to day pours out speech, and night to night reveals knowledge. And what we see in verse 1 is David says, look up. He says, look up and look around. The heavens, the earth are declaring something. They are declaring the glory of God. What are the heavens? The heavens are everything above us. Well, not the speakers in the ceiling, but like above that. It's like it's the sky, it's the stars, it's the sun, it's the clouds. It's, it's, it's everything above us. David says, look up. And then notice, just real briefly, if you look at verses 1 through 6, look at the words for declare, proclaim, speech, words, voice. The heavens obviously don't speak in English or Spanish, but they are communicating something. They are saying something. This is why David uses these words. He's emphasizing that God is trying to communicate to some, up something to us continuously, and that is His glory. That is His glory. When we talk about His glory here, there's two ways the Bible uses glory. One way it's when we ascribe honor, respect to an individual, to a king. We, we give Him glory. But this way it's used here is it, it's describing, the glory here is describing the characteristics of who God is. The heavens are declaring something about God. And the glory that they are declaring is that God is great. That God is powerful that God is creative, that God is a God of order and not chaos, that God is beauty, and He is the author of beauty. This is what it means when the heavens declare the glory of God. These participles declaring and proclaiming the verb tense, it's, it's an ongoing proclamation. Again, every second of every minute of every hour of every day throughout the year is continuous, it's never-ending. The heavens, the creation, the earth are continuously praising the Lord, declaring His glory. It never stops. It is a continuous communication that the, that the Lord God is glorious. As we read, day to day and night to night, the glory of God is pouring out, literally gushing out or all around us. Think about the, the Niagara Falls. And if you've ever been there, you just see these, these waters just come over the falls. It's just gushing out. That is what the glory of God is like in creation. Now again, 
We live in the year 2021. We got the Hubble telescope. We got Nat Geo. We got Discovery Channel. We got the shows, you know, on Disney that look at planet Earth. And we got all this stuff. And yeah, we can be overwhelmed and amazed at everything that God has designed and how it all goes together. But not David. David is, is, is standing on the roof of probably his palace and gazing, gazing up into the heavens, probably around 10,040 to 970 B.C., and he's looking at the Milky Way again before Discovery Channel, Nat Geo. And he's just overwhelmed by the billions of stars in the sky. There's no city lights that drowned out the stars. He's seeing the, the heavens in all of its brilliance as he stands on top of his palace. The Milky Way in all of its splendor. And then during the day, he, he's up there. And he's just looking out over. And he can see for miles the beauty of God's creation in the Middle East. He can see the rainstorms coming in. He can see the dust storms coming in. He can, he can feel the heat of the sun on his face. And you know what it does to him? It causes him to just break out in song. It causes him just to sing. It causes him by the God's Spirit to pen Psalm 19. The heavens and all of creation declare the glory of God. He is overwhelmed by his God's creative power. His creativity. He's overwhelmed. David sings that the heavens and the sky declare the glory of God. Now to us, that's David. He's, he's given us a glimpse into his heart and what he saw and how he penned it and sung it and wrote it down for us to sing. When was the last time you looked at creation and you just broke out in praise? You were just overwhelmed by the glory of God in creation and you just started singing you started praying. You started worshiping the Lord. If it's been a little while, let me, let me just, I got a couple pictures here. I got a couple pictures to help whet your appetite. So we got a couple ones. First, we got a picture of the Milky Way. This is, this is where we live, somewhere in there, right now. That's where we are. The next one. How about that? Next one. How about that? I mean, we, we, we live in this world where the Lord is declaring His beauty. I, I, I encourage you guys to, to go and, as, as we leave here, and go and look up images, videos on God's creation. And then just step outside. Look up. Look around. You cannot step outside and not be amazed at the world we live in. But too often we do, don't we? Because too often when we step out of our homes, we're, we're so busy, the tyranny of the urgent, and we got these little things called cell phones that we, we're not, as soon as we step out of our house, we don't look up and we look around, but we look down, right? And we're consumed with the glory that's in our phone, whether that's some kind of social media, whether that's text messages, emails. And today, today the Lord is saying, look up and look around. Because there's more and better and greater and deeper glory around us than in our phones or in our busy schedules. Amen? So let me encourage you today, as you step out of this building, to look up and look around. Uh, today, maybe take a Sunday drive up the mountains. Whatever your plans were today, let's, let's, let's change them. Take a Sunday drive up. Go up 34. Don't worry about the Poudre Canyon. That's got some issues right now. Go up 34, right? Stop at one of the sides and go down by the river. And just sit and be quiet and be still and, and just take in the glory of God's creation. And tonight or sometime this week, 
Get, get out of the city. Get up to Horsetooth or somewhere, or even go out into the, to the plains, and then just look up and see the brilliance of the stars in the heavens. Be overwhelmed with the glory of God. And here's the thing. We see these pictures, we see all these videos and these movies on how incredible creation is. And we say like, yeah, creation declares the glory of God and it's outstanding, it's amazing. Then how much more is the one who created it? How much more incredible, how much more outstanding, how much more um, glorious is the one who spoke and these things came into existence? Oh, the heavens declare the glory of God. The heavens are constantly on a daily basis declaring the existence, the order, the beauty, the design, the power through creativity of our Lord God. So today, look up and look around and see the continuous words of the Lord declaring His glory in creation. Secondly, that takes us to verses 3 through 6. The glory of God revealed through the world is comprehensive. It's comprehensive. Look at verse 3. There is no speech, there are no words, whose voice is not heard. The voice has gone out throughout all the earth, and their words to the end of the world. In them he has sent a tent for the sun, which comes out like a bridegroom leaving his chamber, and like a strong man running its course with joy. Its rising is from the ends of heaven, its circuit to the end of them. There is nothing hidden from its heat. Here in verses 3 through 6, David is singing something. And what he's singing is the comprehensive glory of the Lord. How the creation sings over everything. Everyone who ever existed on planet earth has heard the voice of God singing over them in creation. No one has been exempt. No one has ever not heard of this creation singing, proclaiming, declaring the greatness of our God. It has gone throughout all the earth, even to the ends of the world. This is a comprehensive glory. This is a comprehensive song. It's as comprehensive as it gets. Again, their voice goes throughout all the earth. Then, the, then referring to the sun, it says, nothing is hidden from its heat. No one can escape the testimony of the glory of God from the heavens and the sky. Everyone experiences it on a daily basis. It's an incredible thought. And I love that David gives a specific illustration of God's glory. He focuses in on the sun. Because in the Milky Way, for us, we understand the sun to be the driving force of our, of our solar system, right? We understand the sun is the most powerful thing that we know of in our, in our little world. And David gives us a specific illustration of God's glory in the sun. Now, most of us think the sun probably more as a curse than a blessing, right? Let me, let, me, let me ask you this. How many of you before the last two days have been cursing the sun to go away or get behind the cloud because it's been so stinking hot? Go ahead and raise your hand. You can be honest in here. This is a church of grace. Be honest, right? Right? Yeah, we, we, we tend to think of the sun, I mean, as, as a curse, not a blessing, not something that declares the glory of God. It's like, man, Lord, would you put that thing away, right? But it is a blessing. Let me just, let me just give you some descriptives of the sun. One, one million earths can fill or fit inside of the sun. One million can fit inside the sun. That's how big the sun is. And yet the sun is a comparatively small star in the other of probably billions of galaxies out there. The earth is about 93 million miles away from the sun. 
if we were to take one of a typical supergiant star and put it in our Milky Way system, the, 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 the typical size of a, a, a supergiant star is 483 million miles away from the sun. And so in other words, that is like that star would, would take us out to Jupiter from the sun. That's how big other stars are and how small the sun is. Yet we look at the sun and be like, man, that's, that's the thing. That's the cat's meow right there, the sun, right? And yet it is puny in terms of other galaxies. The sun's temperature reaches 15 million degrees. If you ever lived in Tucson, Arizona, or Arizona, you know what that feels like. Go ahead and raise your hand, right? I have. The hottest day, at least recorded history, since they started recording it, my, my research is right, is in uh, California, Death Valley, 130 to 133 degrees. On June, I think, 26, 1990, I lived through, I think it's the third hottest day in the United States of America in Phoenix, Arizona. It was 122 degrees that day. And you know what I did? I played me some football. We had practice. There was an all-star team going down to New Zealand for the down under bowl to play Northern, Cal uh, Northern California. Uh, we did beat Northern California, so we represented just so you guys know, right? Uh, but it was 122. We actually took longer water breaks than we did practice. We'd take a 30-minute water break and about a 20-minute practice, and then we'd go in and out. It was stinking hot, but we still got it done, got after it, right? It was hot. The, the, the sun is hot, right? But here's the deal. It doesn't matter where you are on this earth. Again, this is talking about God's glory being comprehensive. Everyone experiences the heat of the sun. This last week, I was in North Carolina doing a church planting boot camp, leading a church plant through it, and I got to see the sun rise over the Atlantic Ocean. And then I come back here this week, and I get to see the sun set over the Rocky Mountains. It's everywhere. It's comprehensive. You cannot get away from it. And I love how David uses poetic language to describe the tent, I mean the sun. He says it comes out of a tent. That means it's nighttime. The sun, he's using this language that the sun goes into a tent, so it covers it up. So that's, that's nighttime. And it says in the morning, then every morning, like a bridegroom, men, think about on your morning that you were about to get married. How'd you come out of your chambers? How'd you wake up that day? Did you wake up like, oh man, I got I to gotta get married today? You know, bummer. Uh, no. <laughs> you came out like, let's go, right? It's on. Let's go. Can't, get, can't wait to get there to that altar. Can't wait to see my bride. There's an energy. There's a joy. And like a strong man, like a champion, like a warrior that runs with power, that runs its course. Another great, we can, just, we can just turn on a TV now and look at the Tokyo Olympics and see kind of what the, the descriptive here is so of an, a, a, a runner, a track star. We turn on the Olympics and we see these men, these women that they're, they're in shape. They're at the peak physical uh, shape. They're, they're, they're ready to run. They run with power. They run with speed. They run with grace. They're focused. This is what's happening with the sun. Nothing is hidden from its course, from its circuit. Nothing is hidden from its heat. And that's the main point, that nothing can escape the glory of God in creation. It sings, it shouts, it gushes forth over all this earth. Again, we can sometimes get into the, 
to the habit of, of looking at the sun, so to speak, and again, seeing it as a curse and not a blessing. But let me just remind you, because I, I have the same thoughts sometime. And I love what this uh, physicist named Charles Mincer once said, commenting on Einstein. Uh, he said this about the, the grandeur of the heavens, the stars, and the sun. He said, the design of the universe is magnificent and should not be taken for granted, which we all do, right? He says, in fact, I believe that is why Einstein had so little use for organized religion, although he struck me as basically being a very religious man. Einstein must have looked at what the preachers said about God and felt that they were blaspheming. Einstein had seen more majesty than he had ever imagined in creation, in the universe, and felt the God that they were talking about couldn't have been the real thing. My guess is he simply felt the pastor and the people in the church he had run across did not have the proper respect for the author of the universe. We can all kind of get, tend to kind of get in that mode, right? And not think and talk about the sun, the stars, the rainbows, the rivers, the snow, and the way in which they should be talked about, about the, the glory of God and how what a wonderful gift and blessing they are to us to be enjoyed. Sometimes we can just complain about all those things. And here, it's just a good reminder that he reminds us, hey, remember who you're talking to, in particular, those who don't know Jesus when you're talking about creation, because when you're talking about creation, you're pointing them to the, the glory of God. You're saying something about the one who created this. So let's make sure that we, again, give proper respect and revere the one. And this is why we love to preach Psalm 19, 1 through 6. We love to preach on Psalm 104. We love to, well, we haven't preached on it yet, but I can't wait to preach on Job 38 and 39. That's why we love to preach on Matthew chapter 6. All these declaring are talking about God's creation and how glorious it is. You can ask my kids. They probably get tired of me hearing that. I still do this to this day. Ever since they were born, Psalm 104. Let me just read it to you. Just a point of Psalm 104. Um, it says this, this little section because we read about it every single time we go on a road trip. It says this, You cause the grass to grow for the livestock and plants for men to cultivate that they may bring forth food from the earth. And it all begins, O Lord, my God, you are very great. And he talks about the glory. And so when we drive down the roads and we see cows eating the grass, you know what I say? Look, kids, the glory of God. Cows eating the grass. And so every time, even now, it's like, you know, they're 24 through 17, 18 years old, 16 years old, however they are right now. I don't know. I got five of them. They're somewhere in there. Look, kids, the glory of God. I know, Dad, cows eating the grass, right? It's like, man, that still gets me pumped up. I'm, all right, how many of you guys ever fed a cow, right? What is their tongue like? It's like another arm coming out, right, to grab whatever you got. It just grabs it and brings it in. It's, it's amazing. But you know what's even more amazing? is that we do get to uh, eat those things called steaks with a, little, with, a little, with a little veggies on the sides, it says here, with a little red wine, right? I mean, it's, it's, we get to enjoy the glory of God. Psalm 104. I think of, of Job 38. And again, just listen to how, how um, God describes this to Job. The Lord answered Job and said to the whirlwind, um, where were you when I formed and laid the foundation of the earth? Tell me if you have understanding. He goes down and says this. 
Or who shuts in the sea with its doors when it bursts out from the womb? When I made the clouds its garments and the thick darkness its swaddling band and prescribed limits for it and, the, and set bars and doors and said, thus far shall you come and no farther. He, he sets, he's talking about there, he sets the ocean and the rivers. He sets them in their proper place and he says, hey, this is as far as those waves can come in and that's it. He goes on to say this. He goes, have you commanded the morning since your days began and caused the dawn to know its place that it might take hold of the skies of the earth? Only the Lord and the Lord alone controls the seasons, the stars, the moon, the sun. And we stop and think and we look up and we look around. We are like, whoa, we serve an incredible, an incredible God. And so that takes us to the third point and the final point. The glory of God is revealed in the world as common revelation. We saw the glory of God is revealed continuously. It's revealed comprehensively. And here we see it's revealed as common revelation. Uh, 19 verses 1 through 6, it says, reveals the glory of God through the world, through creation, through the heavens and the skies. Theologians call this general revelation general revelation. In other words, this is revelation. God makes himself known, as we've already talked to comprehensively, to all people, to everyone. Again, no one has escaped God singing this song over them. And there's two main ways in which general, uh, general revelation is communicated through the scripture. The first way is what we're talking about here. It's, it's through creation. It's through the cosmos. It's through what God has spoken and created. Um, Paul also catches on to this and, and agrees with David in, in Romans chapter 1. This is what Paul, this is how Paul decri- describes general revelation. In 1 verse 18, he says, For the wrath of God is revealed from heaven against all ungodliness and unrighteousness of men, who by their unrighteousness suppress the truth. For what can be known about God is plain to them because God has shown it to them. For his invisible attributes, namely his eternal power and divine nature, have been clearly perceived ever since the creation of the world. In these things they have been made, so they are without excuse. Paul says that that everyone who's ever existed is without excuse of the glory of God because he has shown, he has revealed his attributes, his glory through creation. It goes on. For although they knew God, they did not honor him as God or give thanks to him, but they became futile in their thinking and their foolishness, their hearts were darkened. Claiming to be wise, they became fools and exchanged the glory of the immortal God for images resembling, uh, resembling mortal man, birds, animals, and creeping things. So Paul, thousands of years later, is saying the same thing that David says. God has revealed his glory. He's revealed his majesty. People can't look up and be like, oh, what an incredible accident, right? It's like, no, there's a designer, there's a creator. Creation shows the order behind that, that someone is behind this creation. And what man has done is they suppress the truth because they want to revel in their own glory. They suppress the truth. And they don't worship the creator, but they start worshiping the creation. The second way through is through what's called human conscience, Romans 2.14. Again, on every person who ever existed, God reveals himself through the conscience. This is what he said in Romans 2.14. For when the Gentiles who did not have the law by nature do what the law requires... They are law unto themselves, even though they do not have the law. They show that the work of the law is written on their hearts, 
while their conscience also bears witness. And so what this is saying is that someone that doesn't have the Ten Commandments, that grew up without the Ten Commandments, every person knows that murder is wrong. That taking another human being's life is wrong. Everyone knows that stealing's wrong. Pretty much everyone knows that lying's wrong, right? It's, a, it's the general revelation that's written on all of our hearts, that this is the way that God reveals something. There's not an order in creation, but there's also order in our own hearts and our own conscience on how human beings have been created in the image of God to live, to live through their conscience. So God reveals himself to everyone on earth through creation and through their conscience. But here's the thing about general revelation. It is a limited revelation. It is a limited revelation. In other words, no one can be saved by just looking at creation. There needs to be more because creation declares that there's, 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 there's someone or some person that has created this, but it doesn't speak, doesn't give them a name. Uh, the, the, the creation doesn't tell us about the gospel. It doesn't tell us about creation, fall, redemption, restoration. It doesn't tell us that, that man has sinned and needs a Savior, and that Savior is Jesus who came and lived the perfect life in your place and my place, who died on the cross to make payment for your sin and my sin, and who rose again three days later. General revelation, uh, general revelation doesn't tell us that. And the Bible says that the way a person is saved is through faith in the gospel. Romans 10, 17 says, faith comes through hearing and hearing through the specific word of Christ, through the gospel. So general revelation points us in the right direction. It, it, it hopefully points you and me to something more like, man, I've got to figure out who's behind the beauty of this creation. And that's where we get what's called special revelation. We're going to finish, really focus on that next week, but that's the, that's the Word of God. That's Jesus Christ's life, death, and resurrection. That, that those answer the big questions about humanity and, and sin and salvation and glory and how we are to live on this earth. But right now, we're looking at common revelation, general revelation. We need both. But in particular, to be saved, we need Jesus. We need the gospel. We need to repent and believe in what he has done for us. But if any of you have been ever ministering to some non-believing friends, they understand this, this general special revelation. They understand that when you say like general revelation is limited, and they're like, oh, we mean it's limited. Like someone can't be saved through just looking at creation. They need the scriptures. They need the Bible. They need the gospel. And then the person that you are ministering to will always have this objection. Well, that doesn't seem fair or, or, or that, that seems unloving because what about the, the person who lives in the rainforest that never sees a Bible, that never hears the gospel, that, that God just created him to, to go to hell? That's not, that's not sound like a very loving God. So how... How many of you guys have ever encountered that? Go ahead and raise your hand. I mean, it's a, it's a, it's a common, it's a common uh, objection to Christianity. Well, let me just give you three quick ways in which you can answer that. First is, is like, man, you just say, hey, I, man, I'm, I'm, I'm thankful that you care so much about the, you know, the heathen in the rainforest. It's like, um, that's awesome. That shows you got, you got a heart, you got compassion. How about, how about you take the, the gospel down to them? Or, or how about you give some of your money to send someone down to go proclaim the gospel to them? So that's one. You, know, you can challenge that. Two, Romans 14, 6. We see kind of the end. <clears throat> when Jesus comes, he's going to send out his angel or angels all over the world. And they're going to, it says 14, 6, it says that and the angels take the eternal gospel and proclaim it to every tribe, every tongue, every nation. So God could dispatch an angel to that individual in the rainforest right now as we speak. 
As even Hebrews says, some of us entertain angels and we don't even know it. Or God could show up himself, just like he did with Paul. Remember, Paul was walking on the road of Damascus and the Lord just shows up. The Lord could go down the rainforest himself personally and share the gospel. So those are three ways in which the Lord can, can answer that, uh, the Lord answers that question. But then turn the conversation around to the individual you're talking about and say, hey, hey that's what we could do, but we're, we're talking about you. What are you going to do with the general revelation? What are you going to do with Jesus? Because that's what matters now. That's what's at stake. What's at stake is what you do with the general revelation and the special revelation of Jesus. And so general revelation, again, cannot save. We need special revelation to save. But it's the thing that points us to Jesus. General revelation is revealed to everyone who has ever lived on this earth. That there is a God. There is a designer. There is a creator. And He is good. And He is powerful. And He has sent His Son Christ to live and die for you and me. That the created world affirms the existence of a creator who is full of glory. Spurgeon writes this, The witnesses above, i.e. The, the heavens and the sky, cannot be slain or silenced from their elevated seats. They, they can constantly preach <coughs> excuse me, the knowledge of God. Constantly preach the knowledge of God. Now we know that in particular in high school campuses, college campuses, and scientists, they, they have a different view. They look at this world. And they say, you know, it's come out through this big bang. It's an accident. It's just a, a series of events that just happen to be right. Gazillion, a gazillion, a gazillion on times to create this. That, that, that life came from something that was just non-life, which is a whole other ball of wax. Whatever. All their theories, all their theories that they come up with as they suppress the truth of God and His creation, it takes more faith to believe in those theories than it does in the all-powerful Creator. It takes more faith to believe in them. So the question to us this morning is how are you going to respond to the glory of God in creation? How are you going to respond to the glory of God revealed to you in this world? Maybe there's some of you in here that, that, that believe in God or, or, or something behind, but you haven't put a name to the Creator. Today we're here to point you to the one who created the, the earth, the skies, the heavens, the stars. His name is Jesus in the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. And we understand that, that Jesus in the beginning was the Word. Now He was the Word, but He is the Word. He is the one that, 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 that helped create this world. His name is Jesus. So don't be a suppressor of truth. Don't be a suppressor of truth. Receive the truth of the Scriptures. Receive the truth of the special revelation that we have in the Scriptures because it can be trusted. It's been given to us so that we can understand and know who and who for sure is the Creator. And not only that, but more importantly, who is our Savior. But then the next thing, so when you walk out the doors and you see the sun, our first shot, our first thought should be like, man, it's running its course. It's doing what it's called to do in all of its glory. And our second thought, again, it points us to the special revelation that we have in our Scriptures. It is there to remind us of the love and the faithfulness of the Lord Jesus. Lamentations 3.22 says this, The steadfast love of the Lord never ceases. His mercies never come to an end. Verse 23, They are new every morning. Great is thy faithfulness. And we understand that we, we look at the sun because the sun is the catalyst of every single morning. 
It is the thing that we look to in the east. When we see that thing rising, we can be assured that without a shadow of doubt, so does God's love and faithfulness renew each and every morning for you and for me. And so maybe some of you today need to put a name to the designer of the creator of the world. His name is Jesus. And how you respond to that is you respond by believing and repenting. Believing that Christ is the Savior of the world. Believing that He did live the perfect life that you were called to live, that you know, that I know, that we can't live perfectly. We all fall short. We all sin. We all rebel against the Creator. Jesus came and He lived the perfect life for you and for me as our substitute. Then He died on the cross and He paid for the payment for your sin and my sin. And the way we receive that is by faith. It's grace. It's a free gift. There's nothing you can do to earn it. It doesn't matter how smart you are. It doesn't matter what family you come from. It remembers on what Jesus has done for you. And so you need to look to Him. And then for us as Christians, how, how, how are we to, how are we to respond to general creation? Well, we're spo- we respond to it by enjoying it. By enjoying it. By getting out in creation and enjoying it. You see, the atheist climbs the mountain, the climbs the Rocky Mountains because it's there. Oh, there's a mountain. I guess I'll go climb it. The Christian says, oh, look what the Lord has put. He has given us a mountain. He's given us a body and lungs and air to breathe and, and, and resources to climb that mountain to, to experience His goodness, to experience His glory, and also for us to experience joy in the journey. There's a million ways that you can enjoy the Lord through His creation. I opened up with the question, what is your favorite activity to do outside? And when was the last time you went out and did it? I know, I know a lot of you, we're, we're pretty outdoorsy here, and we like to get after it, because, and that's good. But when is the last time you enjoyed your favorite activity outside? Camping. We, we got like two or three life groups out right now because they're, they're, they're up camping. It's like, I know it's crazy, that we, but we sometimes encourage our life groups to get away on a weekend together to worship the Lord and not come to Sunday gathering. I know sometimes people say, well, you got to come to Sunday gathering, right? Well, yeah, you do. But it's also good to get out as life groups and enjoy creation and worship together up there. Uh, climbing, mountain biking, hiking. We got, we got, there's what, 96 14ers in the United States. We have over 50 in Colorado. That's incredible. Like you think of Alaska. I've been to Alaska. It's wild. It's a whole different wild. But they only got like 21 14ers. We got 50. Get out there. Water skiing, jet skiing, swimming, paddle boarding, cliff diving. Some of you love to take, photo, you know, you take your cameras out and, look, and, and, and take photos of creation. Some of you like to paint. Some of you like to draw creation. Just going on a drive, riding your motorcycle, road bike, mountain bike, horseback. Just sitting on your, uh, your deck and enjoying a cup of coffee, watching the sunrise or watching the sun set. Skiing, snowboarding, snowmobiling, snowshoeing hunting, fishing. I mean, oh, get out and enjoy God's creation. What do you love to do? Get out and enjoy it and worship the Lord through that. Let me just end with this quote. It's an awesome quote. I don't know where I got it from, but it's just an awesome quote. And I think it will close us well today. It says this, creation speaks to us every day, all the time, constantly shouting truths about spiritual realities. Did you hear it this morning when you got up? Did you feel any truth about God this morning as you took a hot shower? 
Did you taste any truth as you delighted in your morning coffee? Did you hear any divine realities as you heard the birds singing? Did you see any truth as you saw the blue of the sky? What have you actually felt, tasted, touched, seen, and heard today? The whole earth is filled with His glory. Every day creation shouts to us, God is glorious, God is creator, God is provider, God is love, God is there. Everywhere I look, everything I feel, everything I hear, everything I smell, everything I taste transmits the beauty of God, the beauty of His creation. He is the beauty behind all beauty. Let's pray. (coughs) Father, You are the beauty behind all beauty. Lord, thank You for Your creation because it it doesn't just whisper, it shouts about the glory of God. And Lord, thank you for giving us ears to hear, for eyes to see, for a nose to smell, and for a mouth to taste, and for hands to touch the beauty and the glory of your creation. We truly are wonderfully made, and we are made to enjoy you through the creation that you have given us. So, Lord, may we do that today as we walk out those doors. May we do that this week. May we worship you. And may we, as we look up and look around, break out in songs of praise. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.